Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Leading Better and Growing Faster with Joe and TJ. I'm Joe. And I'm TJ. And we are The Schoolhouse 302. Where you can find blog posts, podcasts with expert guests, curated book recommendations, and our genius thoughts. Always on a topic that is proven to help you lead better and grow faster. If you want to support the show, all you have to do is hit us with a like, a share, a follow, or a comment. On our site or on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you access our material. Again, thanks for listening and for leading better and growing faster with us. Here we go with another great episode. everyone. Here we are with our guest, Danya Ball. Thank you for being here, Danya. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you all today. So are we. We are thrilled to have you. This episode, we're focused on successfully navigating the storms of educational leadership. So TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Danya? For sure, Joe. Dr. Danya Ball is a leader, author, and national keynote speaker. She currently serves as superintendent of schools in California and for over two decades has been a change maker in public education. Dr. Ball is a professor of both educational administration and teacher education. She's passionate about studying, writing, and speaking on overcoming leadership hardships, something we're going to talk about today. Her first book of a leadership series is called Adjusting the Sales, Weathering the Storms of Administrative Leadership, which was published in 2022. And her second book, Against the Wind, Leadership at 36,000 Feet, will be released in January, although it is available for pre-order on Amazon. I already got mine and you should get yours. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I have to tell you, TJ, you're the first person I know that has pre-ordered. I haven't even put it out there yet. Listen, I always like to catch a book when the cover image isn't up yet. That's my favorite. I was going to say, we just literally selected and, and solidified that last week. That'll be up soon. You know, the publishers will will love to get that out there. Danya, we're going to dive into this conversation here, leadership hardships and how to overcome them. I mean, that's going to be a major theme for us today. Your book emphasizes the challenges and unexpected changes that educational leaders face. And boy, oh boy, is that getting worse and worse seems like by the day. We want to start with maybe you sharing a personal experience or some type of antidote from your journey as an administrator that inspired you to write this book, the first one, Adjusting the Sales, Weathering the Storms of Administrative Leadership? Yeah, you know, I think that at the end of the day, when I was working through, and certainly I'm not alone in this journey, right? There are so many school and district leaders that have very similar stories. But as I was working through various positions, various, you know, districts, organizations, I kept thinking to myself that we tend to talk a lot about the stuff, the crazy chaos, the hardships, the storms behind the scenes with each other, whether we're having, you know, a great alcoholic beverage amongst friends on a Friday night or whatever, right? If we can grab a bite to eat and walk around the school block, we're, we're kind of venting to our favorite people. But I really found during that time that there wasn't a lot of very real talk that that was in books at that time. There was a ton of data field, you know, researchy 
statistic type of, of books, but not really a lot of just real talk, truly presenting that look. Doesn't matter if you're a vice principal, doesn't matter if you're a superintendent. These are absolutely going to be the storms that you're going to have to navigate through at some point in your career. And you better get ready for it because I always was amazed at how often as leaders, we were super reactionary because we just weren't talking about the stuff. And that stuff, right, can be anything from disasters to career rejection to, you know, working with unions, which certainly most states, right, have challenges with that or most most districts in most states. And so that was really the inspiration behind it. I've always loved to write and I've always also loved reality TV. And so I kind of combined those two with my love for writing and then just my love of life and people's stories. And I thought, you know what, this would be really awesome to attempt to put this out there into the world and kind of see where it goes. And it's been really fun to get the feedback. And I'll tell you, not so fun to get the negative feedback, but I'm getting pretty good about that as well. You know, I think, Joe, you said you've also authored. And so when you get your first awful Amazon review, it's not a fun time, but it's a humbling experience. You're absolutely right, Donnie. Yeah. So TJ and I have authored a few books together. We have our sixth book coming out this fall. Yeah. And it's interesting because we went on, I think it was, what what was it, TJ? Essay, Sat Chat or something like that. I think it was Sat Chat with our first book, Candid and Compassionate Feedback. And one of the reviews was like, these guys have no clue about administration. I'm like, what? Like, no clue. We're knee deep. And we have come through the ranks from teacher, assistant principal, principal, yeah. directors, and then, you know, up to the where we are now. And it's interesting because I just think that's perspective. I also think some people, you know, they're just negative. It doesn't matter. They're going to hate, you know, haters are going to hate. That's chapter one of my <laughs> book. Exactly. You know, and so I do appreciate though, Donnie, you reaching out and realize, reaching out to others and realizing that there wasn't real talk. TJ and I got together, our paths had professionally crossed and then we would run together and we had no desire originally to start writing, to start this and what we're doing. But after one run, we kind of got like, into this heavy conversation and realize more people should be a part of this conversation because we're benefiting from one another. And like you just said, it could just be from venting, from just saying, look, dude, I'm not exactly sure what to do here. You know, what do you think? And that's how this was born. And, and we've been going strong since 2015. And it's great to hear you have a similar journey. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And, you know, personally, just to add to TJ's original question, when I was at at a, a major, I would say, crossroads with my own leadership journey. And I write about it in the book. It's in third person, but it's about being able to overcome career rejection or career disappointment. That was probably the biggest inspiration at the time to actually write because I was finding that although so many people write in education, we're not immune to career rejection 
frustration or disappointment, or even some people unexpected termination under the most stressful of circumstances. For some reason in education, it's really rare for people to kind of just say, hey, I applied to be the superintendent. I was like the next in line. And unfortunately, the board went with someone which was totally out of left field. And what I found during that time was that I knew that this was not rare. Fine camaraderie was very, very difficult. And so then later, when I would say even like a year or two later, when I actually started writing chapter one, that was really the catalyst, that experience. Because when I was in that place, I'm like, I'm going to write about this because we need to be more open and more vocal and be able to talk about the good, bad, and ugly because ultimately we're in this together. What do you think helped you pivot, accept the what you write about and the rejection and continue to push forward versus how some people, when they face failure or they face adversity, crumble? Are there like specific things you can attribute to your success in pushing forward? You know, that is such a great question because I've thought a lot about why during that time, because I knew I had two choices, right? I stay in a place that I know is probably not going to be my end road, right? But I'll stay because that's the easiest thing to do. Or I take a risk because it does feel like a big risk at that time, especially for me. I was at that district for 15 years as a teacher, as multiple leadership positions, and then ultimately as assistant superintendent. Or take that risk and say, you know what? The door closed is now the door open. And I think that what I attribute it to is that my dad was born in Iran. A lot of people, they're learning more about this as I'm speaking more, but he was born in Iran and he came here under very tumultuous circumstances when the country was going through a lot of change. And he and his brother moved out here to California and then his mom later came. But like many people that come here that don't speak the language, that really have to fight for survival in establishing a new life and are not reliant on family. They really don't have a lot of resources to pull from, but they're kind of like warriors. They're like, I am going to make this work no matter what. There's no other option. And my dad, I think, instilled that mindset in me, just me watching him through his own journey of finding success in business and raising his family and the way that he would integrate with people and become very successful without any help was always to me. And I never really thought that I thought about it that much. But then when that happened, when I experienced that rejection, and then I took that path of, okay, game on, here we go. I really think it was because of that mentorship that ultimately my father gave me, we will make this work. We are not going to be victim of the circumstances. We can cry, we can cuss, right? We can be pissed about any of it. But at the end of the day, we are going to need to pick ourselves up because there's still important work to do. And I'm still at an age 
where I can still use my gifts and service for people. And ultimately, what's really interesting, you guys, is that now that I'm in this position of writing and speaking and whatnot, I cannot believe how many leaders I come across that are just staying in these districts and schools because they just don't want to take that risk to see what is on the other side. But they'll complain about the board. They'll complain about their superintendent. They'll complain that the core values aren't aligned. There, there's some fear and uncertainty in moving in that direction. That actually makes me pretty sad when I hear about people that are in those types of situations. And I actually love being able to talk to them about it. Well, that's great. I mean, frankly, you're talking to them about it now because we've got a lot of listeners who are probably in that bucket there. I mean, and also thank you for sharing the story about your dad. I mean, it reminds me really of like what you're talking about is resilience and yes. learning to be resilient and that resilient is a skill and we can get better at it. Joe and I recently built a model for inspiration that was vision plus resilience equals uh, inspiration because when we have a vision as leaders, where we're going as for ourselves and our organization. And people can see us be resilient towards that vision when we hit a bump and we're supporting them to come with us. It's a recipe for inspiration in the workplace. So I appreciate what you're saying there because A, it resonates with us and B, Absolutely. I think our leaders are going to get a ton, listeners are going to get a ton from it. I wonder if you could also grade in, you're talking to school leaders about this, we're talking about resilience. How do you braid in this conversation about personal brand going mm. with that? Because we're hearing more and more about the need for personal brand, school leaders to have a brand, branding your school. We've written about it. You've written about it. But I'd like to hear your take on that, how that snaps together with overcoming obstacles. Well, it's an obstacle in itself is the way that I define it because what a lot of leaders where they miss the mark and I certainly did right early on is that their perception of themselves is not in alignment with the public's perception of them. And usually there's this complete aha moment. So for example, when I say things like, and I'm sure that you guys have, have done this as well. Like when you look at your socials and you are looking at it from the lens of a prospective parent that is thinking about enrolling their student in the school that you are principal at and they're scrolling through and they're seeing the, the photos or the posts or whatever it is, the content that you've put out there. Is it truly in alignment with the professional principal that is now going to be providing this child's learning experience? Or am I just sending off the vibes that I'm a really cool person to hang out with on a Saturday night? So the reason why I included branding and this idea that public perception is everything in this first book is is because in my mind, it is a storm or an obstacle itself when the leader's not strategic about ensuring that the messaging that they're putting out there, even in their personal accounts that they think are not even seen by the watching world, are still in a line, the messages they're trying to send professionally. And 
you know, this is what we sign up for. This is not every industry, but it certainly is ours, in my opinion. So that's why I look at it as both an obstacle, a storm, and then talk about the strategic ways to basically overcome that storm because, you know, many leaders who have misstepped in this arena have had to face, you know, not great consequences from whether it's the public, their own internal teammates, or whatnot. We've all heard the stories, have seen that happen. And so I think for especially new leaders that are coming in, that are used to being able to kind of be behind the scenes as teachers, but now they're thrust into this public position, being able to have that information, those lessons learned from other people, right? The hard way so that they can kind of take a close look and evaluate if they're in alignment or not. And Danya, we're appreciative of you tackling that because the absence of you pushing yourself out there is also an issue. So people need to see you. They need to know who is leading their school, who is a part of their children's lives. So I think, you know, rewind to Tate 10 years ago where people were so afraid to get on Facebook, so afraid to get on social media. It's now at a time where, no, you have to, you have to let people know who you are. At least, you know, in our world, I feel that way because the parents, there's such an interconnectedness in our communities. And if you're not out there, sometimes people will fill that void with their own information. So it gives you really a great opportunity, but you do have to be careful. And I was in a unique situation where, you know, I my Facebook is also, it's work and personal. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten pretty good about limiting my personal. Yeah. My son out of high school had a kid and, you know, that could have went either way. Yeah, totally. people's level of judgment, their level of criticism. But my wife and I just put our values out there. That was our family and our family was expanding. It certainly wasn't at the timeline we wanted. It certainly wasn't the plans that we had. However, doing that, And being very front facing with all of that, I think ultimately made myself and my family much more real. And and it wasn't like the Kardashians, right? We weren't putting everything out there, totally. but we certainly didn't hide it. And they certainly saw a human being that also runs a school district and also tries to run a successful, you know, blog and podcast with his good friend. Yes. Well, and you know what? I absolutely love that. I got chills, Joe, when you talked about that, because we see examples all the time of being able to use disasters or tragedies. And certainly that's not what you're talking about, but I'm just saying with other people's experiences and be able to shift it in a very strategic way so that you're not hiding, right, behind the chaos, the disaster. Also, there's a leader that shared this analogy with me that, and the only reason why I want to take the time to share this, because it has to do about branding, and I feel like the listeners will get a lot out of this, is that when we come across leaders who say, because they still do, I hear this all the time, I refuse to be on social media. It is nothing but toxic disaster. I hear it all the time. This analogy makes 
makes so much sense to me. And it basically is that if a parent were to call a face-to-face meeting with you and you have an appointment with them in your office and they're sitting at the table, the desk in your office, you have basically three options. You can walk up to the door and you can say hi and you can just shut the door on their face, right? That's the leader that's saying, nope, not going to open the account, right? Then there could be the leader that is, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to sit down, but I'm not going to engage. So then that's the leader that they may have their accounts, but they're just not utilizing them. And then third, you clearly have the ideal leader that the expectations, right? They walk in, they sit down and they have a two-way conversation. So that is the leader that is not only having their accounts, but they're using it as a conversational, meaning I am putting out information. I could be answering questions, whatnot through the way that the majority of my families are getting the primary source of information from. I just felt like that was a really powerful analogy to share because I still come across, even though we feel like that might be an outdated mentality of people, and it's not necessarily a generational thing, even younger people who are just scared because of the disasters that have happened from not having safeguards or precautions in place. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an, a great analogy. I think it's wise to engage your community, be human, and be careful. Be wise. I mean, you got you got to be strategic. You got you, and you got to realize, as you said, Danya. You know, you are a public figure, so you're representing yourself and your school district. So I think that's critical to know. But you know, it's also one of those things where I think people connect with other people. They like the realness, you know, and they gravitate towards that. And we got enough issues going on in our world. So putting things out there and and letting people know what you're doing and and how you're going. Like, so tomorrow night, we have three football games going on. I'll make it to all three games. And so I'll put on a different shirt for everyone and I'll take selfies at every game. And they know what I'm up to but they'll laugh. It's fun. It's great. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. you just, you just engage your community in any way you can. And that's the strategy, right? That's fantastic. I love it. So switching gears a little bit, Danya, is there a, a person or group that you follow for knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? Yeah. You know, if you're not already following, his name is Ronnie Habib. I don't know if you're familiar with Ronnie's work. I like to, I, I was hoping that you weren't. So, that we could kind of introduce somebody new to you. But Ronnie is not necessarily education specific. I love like you guys do learning from industry-wide, right? Just like, I feel like we can learn so much from people outside of education, especially in the area of leadership. But Ronnie really focuses on the joy and happiness and well-being, not just of leaders, but just of humans in general. But he has worked a ton with schools and with leaders throughout the country. I know primarily on the West Coast, but his vibe, his energy, his charisma, just the way that he's able to present emotional intelligence. It's so not only inspiring, right? Like people can be inspiring, but not everybody is inspired to make immediate change based on the 
information that they've learned, right? A lot of people can be inspired in the moment, like, wow, that was amazing. But to me, like true inspiration is that now there's this cause and effect relationship between inspiration and now I'm actually going to do something different. And he has been so instrumental and powerful for me as a leader because of the shift in mindset from total accountability, performance-driven, legislation, processes, laws, red tape, right? All that stuff to really getting to the heart of what matters. And that's the people in the organization and ourselves. Can you say that name one more time? Yeah, Ronnie, R-I-R-O-N-I. Habib and his website is eqschools.com. And it's actually Ronan, R O N E N Habib, but I call him Ronnie. A lot of people call him Ronnie because just he's a friend. Yeah, no, I want to get it right because I want to link to it in the show notes and make sure that we do the right attribution and get folks to his work. And again, I, I haven't heard of that name. And so we love sharing new things with our, our listeners and they love digging in. That's why we ask these questions in the end because they're fan favorites. And so moving to the next one, in your opinion or something that's worked for you, what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? Yeah. And you know, this is kind of a great segue from talking about the work that Ronnie does, because to me, as a, as a leader, the daily game changer of my success, my impact is just urging people to ask themselves a simple question. And the simple question that I ask myself on the daily and sometimes multiple times during the day, depending on what's going on, is are my people taken care of? Are my people taken care of? Now that could mean a number of things depending on who you are, like, right? You can interpret that into like, are they taken care of in that they have the necessary resources to do their job, that they have the necessary facilities, right? That their pay is fair or whatnot. But for me, the way that I really look at this question is that do the people in the organization, and this is everyone, not just those that I directly supervise, but everyone, do they love working here because they feel that taken care of by us. And unfortunately, that's not, the answer is not always yes. And that's where, to me, the heavy work, the deep work has to be. Donnie, would you mind going down that road a little further for us? Because I agree 100%. You know, knowing that we have to take care of our folks, wanting them to truly love what they do, we don't always have the ability to, to make it the perfect environment, give them all the resources. But there are still things leaders can do to demonstrate care, demonstrate support. Can you go down that road a little bit on, on how you do that when you can't give them all that they want or those conditions aren't the best? How do you yeah. still demonstrate that love? I'm going to tell you, it's insanely simple. And to me, you guys, it's about authenticity. It's about having 
raw, authentic, capturing the heart conversations. We kind of started there, right? With the real talk. And so it kind of goes, goes full circle in our jobs as leaders is that instead of it being looked at that the conversation is just going to be revolved around, you know, are we meeting our metrics? Are we, uh, you know, is the safety plan done? Is this right? All of that stuff, which there's so much of that stuff that consumes all of our time that we easily miss the mark in having just these real authentic conversations. It goes so far to spend 20 minutes with the principal who's going through a divorce and is freaking out and just talking about that and being a sounding board. It's not intruding on privacy. It's not being, you know, fake or whatnot. It's just about not saying, how are you? And leaving it at that, right? Anyone can do that, but not everyone can really dial in and really know how you are. And I think the best leaders are able to do that in such a safe, authentic way that ultimately it shows our people that we not only value their contributions, but we care about them as human beings. Yeah, I don't think we can ever underestimate that this is a people business and at the heart of it all is human connection. So thank you for sharing that. Donnie, when we first connected, first got introduced to your work, uh, one thing that stood out to TJ and I is you have basically less than a year between two books, you know, successfully, yeah. professionally. Or is there something that you want to be able to do, achieve that you haven't already? It's actually, it's funny that you say that there was like only a year and a half between two books. I would love to learn you guys. And if you figured this out, then maybe we can talk later or now. I would love to learn patience. And I say, right, I write about it. We need a balance. We, we need to juggle life, leadership, whatnot. I have not mastered this art of patience. I drive my husband crazy, drive my kids crazy. I am someone that loves to do things. And so for example, and you guys are going to crack up, this second book is not even published yet. And I have said, you guys, I am not going to write. I'm going to give this three years. There will be a third book, but I'm not going to write. I have to just wait, you know, enjoy. What do you, where do you think my mind's going? I'm like, okay, this is going to be the outline for the third book. I'm dreaming about things. I'm thinking, I'm waking up thinking about them. I would love to learn how to turn it off. You got, if you know how to turn it off. Now I can disconnect on vacation this is way different than saying just like turn off your emails, right? I can do that. I can say that that stuff can wait. I can have a fabulous vacation and decompress. But I'm talking about like when we know that there's a next step on the horizon, personally, professionally, what it is, that we can just be like, we do not need to go about this as a race. We can actually kind of take some art, take some time through this. So any advice you have on how to get there, I'd love it. Well, I don't think uh, either one of us are in any position to give any advice on that. Maybe Joe has a couple of tactics that he's used recently, <laughs> but the two of us are on go, go, go all the time as well. And slowing down is just hard. And if the, the addiction there is that you want to add value, you want to help, you want to be a better leader so that you could support more people. 
have a greater influence in your organization and beyond. We get it. I mean, we fully, fully get that. Yeah, we're not going to be giving any advice on that. Although we have a few podcasts out there from some very mindful leaders who we've interviewed do help us with meditation and some other strategies. Joe, anything you wanted to add to that? No, I was going to say the last person you want to ask that of is TJ. Although we have our sixth book coming out, he's already has like 13 in the hopper. And I'm like, dude, you, we need to like, just let's focus on this. So I think of the two of us, he's definitely not the one to talk to. I am so glad I'm in safe company about this because I am sure, right, that people tell you guys all the time, like, are you just going to give it a break for a little bit? Is that not the case? This is, these are the things that I, how do you do it, right? Will we just do it? The busier just keep getting busy, right? We just do it. I don't know how, we just do it. We make time for the things that are important to us. And the more you learn how to do, the more you have capacity to do. And it just, it's the flywheel of, of capacity building in your own life. When people say, you know, how do you do it? Well, I don't know that we were doing it to this degree yesterday or the day before. It's just, you learn to fit more in and do more. And that in and of itself becomes energizing. And Joe's right. Like I can't even get the edits done on a book before I'm thinking about which one we're writing next. And so, you know, more power to you. You've called this a leadership series. Yes. So we're looking for more from you. Absolutely. So (laughs) basically the, you know, the first book was like the ground zero in my mind, the, the base camp of, of leadership, right? These are all of the non-negotiable or absolute storms that every leader will encounter where, where we go with the next book and it's, and the first book was a sailing theme because it was about adjusting during those times of adversity, storms, and whatnot. And so where we're going now, and you can tell by the title of Against the Wind Leadership at 36,000 Feet is we are elevating it. So it's it's aligned to, to flying and the, 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 you know, being in the cockpit and your flight crew, the going from the base camp leadership storms to elevating to the more deep severe in the trenches. So like where the first book, you know, talks about perhaps like union negotiations and whatnot. Now we get into school boards and when there's competing agendas with school boards, that may not be something that every leader will have to deal with, but certainly lots of mid top level leaders will. So then there's ideas for the third. And the third was intentionally to be the final. And so, but we're not even going to talk about that because we're trying to have patience now. Yeah. We got to get that book cover on Amazon. and, and We got to get the cover for the second one first, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we know, we know the feeling, but it's great to have that vision. Um, and it's great to put it out there. And I hope that when you say that not necessarily every leader might face a school board. I do hope more leaders see the analogy behind that. We're encouraging school leaders to read in business, particularly, um, and we talked about it earlier, branding, marketing, um, things that may seem um, a little more abstract or esoteric to school leaders. But when you're a school leader, you're the principal or you're the superintendent or you're a director, you're the CEO. You're the exactly. CEO of your domain and you need to read and think like a CEO. And by the way, the average CEO reads 60 or more books a year. 
So school leaders um, need to get on that as well. As we're talking about leadership and your growth and what others could take away, is there one thing that has led to or continues to sort support your growth as a leader that you think others could replicate? Absolutely. I feel like these are all, you know, just things that people could do today, but they just may not have that mindset. And for me, I absolutely grow as a leader. And I'm sure you guys do too. When you purposely surround yourselves with people, not just necessarily leaders that are very different from yourself. And I find this to be at this phase of my life so absolutely invigorating. I feel like I'm a sponge, you know, and I'm talking about it all. I'm talking about, you know, maybe political beliefs, religious beliefs, certainly educational philosophies, any of it. I absolutely love to learn about why people feel the way they do about certain issues. And and just having a better understanding of that makes me such a better leader to be able to tackle the day in and day out issues. And not just the issues that are here today, but ultimately long-term issues by truly knowing where people are coming from and their mindset. I find it to be terribly discouraging when I come across, and it's not even just in education, but leaders in general who are only surrounded themselves with like-minded or people that are really just in their own close-knit circle, because to me, we're missing the mark on truly getting to the human spirit, like the, what makes this world, this universe work are the people that are in it. And so by staying in this circle or only comfortable with integrating with certain groups, and I see this happen all the time as a leader or only offer jobs, right? To people that look like me, think like me versus having this asset mindset of I would love to be able to hire someone who is going to be able to bring this to the table, which is absolutely something that none of us have, but is valued. That to me means we got to get outside of our comfort zones and surround ourselves with people that are different and find joy in that. And I certainly, I know in this phase, and I wasn't always like that for sure, but definitely in the last several years have found the most tremendous growth, more growth doing that than anything else. Thank you for sharing that, Danya. We appreciate that thought. It's it's an interesting concept or ideology, if you will, because that's not the world we live in. No. We have such a propensity to want to place value on things, judge things, label them, and really Really, that's now the world we live in and polarization is accepted. But in our world as educators, especially where TJ and I are, like we have immense diversity. So if you don't approach things, as you mentioned, from a learning stance, then you're going to miss the opportunity to truly connect and educate kids. And we don't have that luxury. If we're going to say all students, we mean all students. If we want to connect with our community, that's the entire community. 
community. It baffles me that we all we live in a world right now, and I I hate to overgeneralize, but you see it all the time in which polarization is not only accepted, it's pushed, and we're in a world in which we're trying to do the exact opposite. We're trying to be inclusive, understand for the end result of educating kids. Totally, I will tell you that um, I I really took a risk this year in as a superintendent, and I and I don't know if we're running out of time, so I'm sorry if I'm adding too much, but you might need it. There's a book called Blind Spot, Uncovering the Hidden Biases of Good People. And I felt like it was a risk only because I knew that this was going to stretch people in our organization. But during our pre-in-service, I had a book in front of each staff member at our like welcome back event, right? And this is all positions, including our school board. And the reason that I went this direction is because I talked about that we say we accept the kids that walk through our door every day, but it is humanly impossible to actually do that because we all have this. This is science. Like this is facts. This is not just Danya judging. This is based on facts. If we as adults are not willing to better understand ourselves, the judgments, the biases that we have, how can we expect ourselves to truly be inclusive and talk about equity and actually get to the deepest level with these kids relationally if we don't even know these biases that come. And I will tell you that going through this process, I've uncovered some that I was like, this is a lie. That doesn't exist. I know for a fact that I don't feel that way. But then the work that you do through it, you start to understand why you have that. And so I kind of went to ground zero and was like, we're going to start understanding ourselves better in order to be able to do the work for kids better. So anyway, I highly recommend that text if you haven't heard of it. Absolutely. TJ Mav, we'll link to it in the show notes. I love the concept of it. I love when we are fans of the concepts of blind spots. If you wouldn't mind, whether it's something you learn from someone or even yourself, I think it ties directly into what you're talking about with blind spots. Is there one thing that you used to think that you don't anymore? Yeah. And you know, this is like the rookie mistake, right? This is, but it's common is that as a leader, I remember being so obsessed with performance, with short-term results. And that I felt to my core that if we could show, you know, in California, we have what's called the dashboard. Every state has, right, their own accountability system. But if we can show the public that we're a good school according to this accountability system, then that means that I am a successful leader. And I'm really on this mission because I've ha- I've had this mind shift over the years that unfortunately we know, number one, that these accountability systems are not even necessarily built on, you know, metrics that we should actually be evaluating. There's some flawed measures that are involved statistically, which is a whole nother conversation. But being able to shift the mindset to not the dead end trap of short term achievement, but instead going back to what really matters in the end is that the lasting impact that I 
I'm leaving, the my legacy, right? The longevity of my of how the decisions that I'm making today, how are they going to impact the students and staff, not just today, but in 10 years, in 20 years. And I feel like at one point in my career, I was so short-sighted. It was just about these results, which I understand why it was like that, where it's really been this transformation. You know, I've seen some amazing leaders pass away. I've seen the impact that was felt when they passed on. Wow, they made a tremendous difference in all of our lives and the lives to come of people that are still not even born yet. And so I just am now really encouraging and talking more about that mind shift of being more intentional about the future and about when we're out of this work, which we will be, that we're still the decisions we've made, we know we can feel good with, that they really did good for our kids, our staff, our families. And it wasn't just about the quantifiable short-term results. Thank you for that. That's inspirational. And I think it's wise, especially for new leaders who might be listening now who think it is their job to get those short-term wins. And it's not that short-term wins aren't bad. People need those metrics sometimes just to keep themselves going, but we've got to have that 10-year, 15, maybe even 30-year vision for what we want our legacy to be when we leave and the impact that we want. That was inspirational for me. And I know it's going to be inspirational for our listeners. Tanya, this has been power packed. I've got pages of notes, quotes, books, links. Is there anything else that you would like to add a question we didn't ask something of a request of our listeners? Just keep on trucking, keep on working through the adversity, the storms, the challenges, the chaos, whatever you want to call it, right? Every day is a new adventure and you're doing the hard work. And thank you for that. There you have it, everybody. What a great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at the schoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcast and books to read always on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Leading Better and Growing Faster with Joe and TJ and how school leaders can weather the storms of administrative leadership and so much more with Dr. Danya Ball. Danya, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for providing the space for leaders. This is awesome. Thank you. Hey leaders, before you go, one more announcement. We now have available for you our candid and compassionate feedback masterclass. Really, because of high demand, we are thrilled to offer this. This is a course that we run live and in person all the time and leaders love it. They learn to give feedback with skills that they can use right away, including better praise to lift and celebrate your team. It's now available in a virtual online format that you can take on your own, self-paced, from the comfort of your office or home. Here's what you'll get. There are 11 lessons with a focus on nine candor cancellations that we wrote in our Candid and Compassionate Feedback book. These are mistakes that leaders make that we don't want you to make anymore. We'll teach you models so that your feedback is meaningful and we'll give you tools necessary to build the culture that you always wanted. Trust us, without these critical skills, you're not capitalizing on your own capacity to lead better and grow faster. Go to the site, theschoolhouse302.com, click on shop courses, add this course to your cart and start learning today.